1: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Kara Frederick is with us now. She's formerly of Facebook, currently with the Heritage Foundation, where she is director of tech policy. We're going to talk to her about AI, about government snooping on social media platforms and all kinds of good stuff, or bad stuff, but interesting stuff. Kara, welcome. Thanks for having me. So let's start with Elon Musk, recently uh, spoke to uh, Tucker Carlson on Fox where he saw it and he said, not only was he Elon flabbergasted by how much access the government had to the communications and just the general stuff going on at the social media platform, Twitter, I'm sure it's true of other places, but that DMS were easily accessible by the government too. What did you think of that one?
2: Yeah. So this, you know, honestly, It's not surprising. I mean, especially given the backgrounds that you and I had um, there, we do know, first and foremost, there are legitimate reasons, or at least there were legitimate reasons to, you know, work with some federal entities when it comes to things like child sexual abuse material, um, you know, sniffing out the bad guys. Uh, I worked on foreign Islamic terrorism uh, when I was working for a big tech platform and before. Uh, So, you know, there are times when you want the government that is ostensibly there to protect the security of Americans to uh, maybe have some sort of access to these internal communications. Unfortunately, over the past two to three years, we've seen that uh, there's been a um, abject dereliction of duty when it comes to the, you know, number one, keeping United citizens safe, and number two, um, really prioritizing the the security of Americans, um, especially from external hostile forces, uh, and instead looking inward at the American populace and uh, inflating the definition of domestic extremists and terrorism and whatnot. So, in in my mind, the government has lost our trust, uh, and deservedly so, and they have been misprioritizing when they should be looking at real, actual threats. Then, OK, maybe we can think about some of these surveillance capabilities, but that's all gone. That's been washed away, given especially what Elon exposed in the Twitter files. And it it is very telling, I think, that uh, we at the Heritage Foundation, we published a report in February of 2022, and we said there's a symbiotic relationship between these big tech companies and the government. It goes as far as collusion and any sort of collusion between government actors and these big tech. Companies to silence the speech of Americans should be prohibited. And people were like, you are, oh, come on, you're just a fear monger. What are you doing? But we've been proven right. So the fact that the government had full access to DMs and Twitter, again, we knew Twitter DMs a long time ago were probably compromised. And this just proves it. And uh, frankly, this proves the Heritage Foundation right yet again.
1: So you worked at Facebook. I would assume, and tell me if it's an incorrect assumption, that the very, very cozy and all-too-close relationship between Twitter pre-Elon and the government, and as he described it, effectively, it was a bloated activist organization, Twitter, masquerading as a social media platform, I have to assume, and you tell me if it's not right, that the politics of Facebook, Google, all the rest are basically the same and perhaps even worse.
2: I would say post-2016 Trump elections, that's when everything became exacerbated. Uh, so you have, you know, a cadre of us who went in before that election. Um, I you did there in 2016 early 2016 and you know we we were there to solve these big problems like the foreign islamic terrorism issue and you had really talented people a lot of time patriots i came right out of um, a naval special warfare command where i'd been doing counterterrorism analysis as a a targeter and i went right into um facebook sort of thinking that you know we were going to do the same thing we were going to protect americans and their users from this um you know foreign islamic menace uh was taking the form of ISIS at the time. Um, And then, I would say in 2016, something really changed, uh, and it was Trump's election, and they just went hysterical. And the people that they started recruiting post-election, you know, a lot of them went in sort of thinking that they had a mandate to um, stifle the conservative voices, uh, I'd say, in America. Um, You know, prior to that, we... There were some some interesting, I would say, data points when it came to the way that we did our analysis, for instance, um, and this is no secret now, um, these companies have been using um, organizations, NGOs like the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, to actually help them formulate their policies and um, help them formulate the way that they treated specific actors on these platforms. And they thought nothing of it. They thought, okay, SBLC is an honest broker. Um, so I think that part of it is ignorance. Part of it is you know the sea that they swim in in the Bay Area, uh, and then the other part of it is the 2016 election just really unhinging people and. Making them uh, really come in with uh, mission oriented to to sort of stifle the voices of the the people that they disagreed with.
1: Is it fixable at these places? Like, how how would you actually, if if you were able to get you know Zuckerberg and his top lieutenants in a, in a room, and they were willing to listen to reason? I mean, you know, I think Facebook has just turned. I'm amazed that there's still apparently as many people using it in America as there are. I find it to be like an unwieldy trash heap of nonsense. Like, it's really hard to even figure out where anything is anymore. They've, it all looks like it was made by a bunch of, of uh, you know computer engineers, and I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> like, it looks like it's just this kind of cobbled-together thing, and all of the original, just the ease, and the, it's just they're throwing all this... I think it's turned into a bad user user experience and user interface, but anyway, forget about fixing that for a second. If you were just trying to fix the fact that Facebook is not fair to half of the country politically, is it possible? Or do we just have to build our own, build our own thing? By the way, build your own Facebook doesn't sound as crazy. Maybe it's buy your own Facebook, but that's more expensive than Twitter. Have to call Elon on that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I will say personally, and when I was in the company, I thought Mark Zuckerberg's instincts were um, more libertarian than, you know, more leftist. Uh, so uh, and and that is sort of the old guard of the builders in Silicon Valley. You know, these are engineers and they think like engineers. They think like programmers. They want to solve problems and fix things. Um, unfortunately, I do think that he's he's been there for so long and he's been, frankly, led astray by others in the C-suite and that other sort of layer of upper management as well, who are um, very concerned with PR fires. And clearly, we know that uh, public relations only goes one way, and that's against conservatives at this point. So um, you look at that and sort of see how he's been co-opted when his instincts were maybe initially good. I remember a speech in, that he gave in October of 2019 at Georgetown University, where he said Facebook had to be the alternative to an authoritarian China, which was propagating its digital platforms here in the US. You know, what happened to that? That that gave me a little but I hope, but he since um, he since spent four hundred million dollars um, pushing certain um, uh, Democrats in elections under the auspices of these get out the vote measures. But we know that they were in you know, blue states, um, going to to Democrat um, activist organizations who were then pushing only getting out the vote for Democrats. So unfortunately, I think those instincts that he previously had have been quashed, and I don't think there's any coming back from it. I I do think it is too far gone at this point.
1: Let's come back in a second and talk about TikTok. Since you mentioned communist China, we'll get into that in just a second here, but everybody at home, if you haven't tried the Giza dream sheets, I'm going to tell you right now, you're missing out. Mike Lindell has got a lot of amazing products. Kara, do you have Giza dream sheets? We're going to get you hooked up.
2: Planning on it. They're in the cart. They're in the cart. All right,
1: there we go. The Giza dream sheets from Mike Lindell. You got to get them for the whole family. I'm telling you they're amazing. Coming as low as $29.99 when you go to MyPillow.com, use promo code BUCK, multiple colors, styles, and sizes. You can upgrade your bedding now. By the way, everybody, I know you think, oh, well, I've already got sheets. Sheets only last you a couple of years. You know, you're washing them, they get kind of get kind of uh, a little too worn, threadbare, and they're not very comfortable, and they start to, you know, just look like you need new sheets, because you do. So go to MyPillow.com, promo code BUCK, twenty nine ninety eight for Giza Dream Sheets. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. So go to mypillow.com, click on Radio Listener Specials, and use promo code BUCK for the Giza Dream Sheets. Under 30 bucks, Giza Dream Sheets. Go check them out today. I sleep on them every night. All right, so TikTok. Um I gotta tell you, I mean, I I've I think that YouTube is much more concerning for American freedom and, and everything else than TikTok, and I've been saying this. More and more people are saying it now. It seemed to me about a month ago, Everyone's was like, oh, TikTok! I'm sitting here, I'm like, what about the social media companies that are already throwing elections? Anyway, put that aside for a second. I mean, how worried are you? Let's just look at TikTok, and I, I won't do the, you know, the what about um, with uh, YouTube, Google, Facebook, all, all, Instagram, all that stuff, although I could. How bad is TikTok, really? How, how big a problem is it?
2: Yeah, I think TikTok falls into uh, three problem buckets, I would say. Um, and the first and foremost is the most obvious one. It's that ByteDance is its parent's com- parent company. It is headquartered in Beijing um, and therefore subject to the laws and policies of the People's Republic of China. Uh, one of the, the laws that we like to talk about is the 2017 National Intelligence Law, which effectively compels private companies to do the work of the state. So if the Chinese state, the CCP, the Chinese communist party decides that they they want specific data they want access to this they want access to that then by virtue of this law bite dance has to comply and uh this is not my original phrasing but i think it illustrates the problem problem pretty well um china doesn't have rule of law they have rule by law so this, this is something, if you're you know, the ByteDance CEO, you're kind of powerless to resist at, at this point. And why would you? When you look at ByteDance, they have uh, one of three of their board members of the main domestic subsidiary of ByteDance is a card carrying Chinese communist government official. Uh, if you, you look at like some of the good reporting that Forbes has done, they scoured uh, LinkedIn and found that 300 plus profiles had either current or former links uh, of these current ByteDance employees To a Chinese propaganda arm, to Chinese state media. Uh, So you have active and former members of the Chinese Communist Party, particularly in the information realm, uh, working in ByteDance. And uh, there's there's so many other data points that I could talk about, but but that's the first one. Byte Dance, very close links and infiltration, frankly, uh, by the CCP. They have an internal committee. A DOJ report in September 2020, coming out of the Trump administration, assessed as much. Um, and we know that they are deeply involved in the inner workings of TikTok as well. So. That's one thing. Um, And again, just tip of the iceberg. We can go into uh, just really how odious some of those connections are when it comes to uh, the connection with American data as well. Um, But I'll I'll table that for now. And then number two, there's that influence campaign aspect. And, um, you know, we we talk about the manipulation of the information environment. Uh, This is something that we were dealing with in the intelligence community and especially in big tech companies and looking at it now and What we've seen is pro-CCP narratives pushed on these platforms. Uh, We've seen a... Uh, actual Chinese state account uh, come to TikTok and say, how can we push our information? And we've seen information from those accounts pushed and not labeled as state media as well. So we know that they're trying to do do the proverbial sowing of discord, uh, such as promoting Democratic candidates in the 2022 midterm election uh, to the detriment of Republican candidates. They're trying to push stories about abortion and incendiary things to help uh, sow dissent among the American population, something everyone always accused sort of the Russians of doing. Um, so that's another aspect, that information environment manipulation. And then third, you have the kids, you know, what it's doing to children. And we know that TikTok in particular with the For You algorithm just lights a fire under these social contagions. Uh, we know that they're in bed with the transgender lobby featuring, um, you know, prominent transgender activists, uh, prominent LGBTQ activists all over their websites, um, raising a awareness. They're very, very open about doing this. Um, and there are pediatric hospitals that are reporting actual physical manifestations uh, coming out in patients because they use TikTok, like things called TikTok ticks, which most researchers are classifying as, you know, pure social contagion movements. So, you know, and and this is, again, something that TikTok is very, very efficient at, uh, that it it doesn't necessarily distinguish it wholesale from the Instagrams of the world. If you want to talk about what aboutism, we know there's stats on that in terms of mental health harms. But TikTok is poised, especially because, as Christopher Ray says, Director Wray of the FBI, uh, China controls the algorithm. That's even more problematic when they're feeding our kids this poison.
1: But how much of the algorithm is the kids? click on the things they click on and then it's reflected back to them, right? Like, I mean, uh, you know, I, I asked this because, remember Russia, remember Russia collusion back in 2016? They're saying, Hi. oh, Hillary Clinton lost because Trump worked with Russia. And then they talked about the Facebook ads. I think there was like $100,000 that were spent on these bogus, uh, you know, or Russian-backed or whatever Facebook ads. And when you look at the ads, I mean, a lot of them were ridiculous. I mean, it looked like a guy named Yuri you know working in like sub basement C of some you know FSB outpost you know on the uh, on the in the outer ring of Moscow was like looking at a you know little dictionary in English i mean it was preposterous right i mean th- their yep. understanding of us politics beyond lock her up for Hillary Clinton which you know they got that right but their understanding was very weak i mean the the idea that the i just hear all these people saying oh my gosh you know, the Chinese are going to brainwash our kids and make them lazy or whatever. I look at them like, what do you guys think Disney is doing? Like, I I just, this is the part of it that I, you know, they're, they're so much more upset about what's going on with the, I understand the spying thing and like if they can suck up your information and do create, that, that's a separate issue. But it sounds to me like there's also just a content component of this. And I, I don't under, I just feel like, I feel like TikTok is the shiny object where people in politics and in power get to pretend that they're doing something that's like oh we're protecting the kids from the bad influences online they're protecting them from one of dozens of major and endless minor influences online that are all being pushed by the democrat party anyway like transgenderism beijing's not pushing transgenderism via tiktok on kids the democrat disney is pushing transgenderism on kids
2: Well, number one, you know, you're right. But number two, we also don't know that Beijing isn't pushing this stuff. And that's, you know, part of the problem, too. If China is so intimately involved in the algorithm, which it says it won't, if there's a forced investiture to an American company of TikTok, it said there's no way we're giving up the algorithm. So in my mind, that means, yeah, they want to retain control of it. There's a commercial element to it um, because it is really good. But there's also that information environment uh, manipulation potential there because they they want to keep it in. Chinese hands so badly and they've said as much, uh, which uh, flies in the face of a lot of the assurances that these TikTok executives are providing to Congress members with their, you know, Project Texas um, uh, potential, you know, mollification of our representatives. Um, But so I also I I do want to address that. I, I think that when you have over 67% of American teenagers, as of last year, on a particular platform, and you have 30% according to a pupil in 2020 of preteens, nine to 11 year olds, on a specific platform. And we have new data coming out of the UK saying a decent percentage of toddlers are now exposed to this content. Then you have a problem. Then you have a uh, the fact that you know number one, all of the, these children are on it to a much greater degree than you know Facebook, as you talked about, is hemorrhaging users. Especially in this demographic, Instagram is hemorrhaging users as well. Uh, then, then that becomes a source of information, and we know that they're getting it for their news now as well. They're not just looking at those cute videos; they're they're getting it to be informed uh, about the world. Um, you, uh, top Google executives said as much as well in a tech conference. He said, "When people, young kids, want their news, they go to TikTok, and Google is very much aware of that, uh, and you know, keeping their antenna up." And then you have American adults, so. So looking at the kids stuff, that matters a lot. But American adults as well. So, you know, in two years, Ameri- the amount of American adults that get their news from TikTok has tripled. That's problematic, I think, from a civic perspective. Um, I see you want to say something, but I want to say one more thing before I let you talk.
0: <laughs> like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at com slash news. That's com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
1: I'm standing in the way of the train. By all means, go ahead. Sorry, you were saying. <laughs>
2: yeah, um... So, so I think the last thing is uh, a number of enterprising journalists have um, taken it upon themselves to create their own TikTok accounts. And what they do is they register as users from around 13 to 14, and they have found to a man within minutes, they are fed content that is uh, composed of self-harm content, suicidal content, eating disorder content, especially if they're registering as girls versus registering as boys. So so we do know that there is uh, something that isn't just responsive to shall we say, what the children want. Um, Granted, the TikTok algorithm is based off your engagement, not necessarily your network. So how long your eyes linger over a specific video. If you're interested in depression, yes, it's more likely to feed you self-harm content and suicidal content. But this appears to be pretty uniform across the board uh, for uh, a lot of these journalists experimenting anyway. So there's something in TikTok that is particularly, I would say, um, nefarious when it comes to our children and the noxious content. They're
1: being fed. I mean, do you ever go on TikTok? Because I gotta say, some of those shuffle dance moves very catchy.
2: Fuck no, I am not going on TikTok. Nor will I ever go on TikTok. You Look at practice. this.
1: This is where like I-, I get to point at all the other people in America, usually, uh especially the Democrats. But I get to call them commies and have fun with it. Apparently, on this one, I've got like a soft spot for communist China. Because I'm like, I think TikTok is super entertaining. I gotta tell you, it's all for me. That- it's it, yeah. It's it's how to how to sear like the perfect steak and different red meat. I follow this like Max the Meat Guy who makes like wagyu and briskets and all these things. Uh, guys who know how to make um, like tomahawks out of the stuff you find in your backyard. Like this is and of course cute bulldog videos. Like, like I, I I'm just like what what is this? How is this supposedly in in some way? doing anything that is, uh, you know, going to damage me. But then again, I'm an adult and things are different. And, you know, that can be a little bit of a challenge. Um, And yeah, so I got to get to the uh, Oxford Gold Group here for a second. And when we come back, uh, uh, we're going to talk about AI because I think Ms. Kara Frederick has to explain whether or not Skynet is going to become self-aware and cause the nuclear war that James Cameron warned us about in Terminator 1 and 2. And probably the other ones, but no one saw the other ones because the other Terminator movies sucked. So, you know, you know, there was a she knows it's true. There was a recent banking collapse, the nation's largest collapse of a financial institution since 2008. So stuff can go bad real fast. You know this. And fiat currency is pretty imperfect because it's uh, a situation now we have inflation. We also have thirty two trillion dollars of debt. How about using gold and silver as a protection for your portfolio? Have a little gold and silver on hand just in case. I've got gold and silver right here with me in the radio studio. Now is the time. Don't wait because if a crisis hits, you're going to need to have it on hand and also those prices of gold and silver are going to go way up. So now is the time to call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Securing your IRA or 401k with real gold and silver, by the way, is also a fantastic portfolio protection plan. All you have to do it's called the Oxford Gold Group. You can own real precious metals just like I do. Call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-404-GOLD. 833-404-G O L D. Okay. So, Ms. Kara Frederick, who is on the task force, I believe, at the Heritage Foundation for dealing with AI related matters. So, you would you would have some insights in this. I I think that the AI is, and look, is Elon Musk both uh, wealthier and smarter than me? Yes. But I think all this stuff about how the world is going to end because of AI is pretty crazy. <laughs> like, I'm looking at this, I'm like, how does this even happen? Everyone's getting all freaked out. Do I, I'm usually, actually, no, I usually tell people everything's going to be okay because most hysteria is just people wanting attention. But is AI really, I know it's a a big deal and it's going to matter a lot. I'm not saying it doesn't matter a lot, but as a threat, what is the threat from AI? That's the part of this that I still haven't, no one's really been able to explain to me. It's like, oh, like it's going to hurt our democracy because of the disinformation. Watch (laughs) CNN. Look what they do.
2: Fair point. Um, And I I do think you stand in good company uh, with with some of the skeptics. Um, You know, one of the things, as you know, in the intel community, though, there was always that person who was like, everyone, everyone, China isn't 10 feet tall, right? Everyone, everyone, Al Qaeda is not looking at external operations. And they like are the naysayers and everyone kind. their whole thing
1: is is they're the uh you know they're they're playing the role of um what's the what's the word we're looking for here you know when you're just being uh in opposition to be in opposition i forget what the word is but you know what i'm saying
2: contrarian oh contrarian
1: thank you they're playing the contrarian (laughs) yes
2: yes yes so so you know there there's that aspect of you know the ai community as well um but, but i do think there's there there's reason to be worried and I like to quote, um, you know, two authoritarians on this matter. And I I thought this was commonplace, but apparently not many people know that Putin a few years ago said whoever is going to lead in AI is going to rule the world. Um, I think that that's a significant um, uh, uh, discussion to to be had, especially when Putin's saying that. And then Xi in China says, you know, we want to dominate in AI by 2030. So, you know, if our adversaries have their eye on this um, and they they see it as some geopolitical political, um, strategic um, key, then I think that it's important to sort of pay attention. And the reason why I I think they know harnessing these technologies is really going to uh, catapult them to the front of the line of of global dominance is, is because they're Doing things at machine speed tends to be better uh, than doing things at human speed. And when you're coming to, when you're talking about war fighting, uh, when you're talking about things like uh, even you know the stuff that the Intel pukes like us used to do, uh, that computer vision algorithms can do better, you know, instead of uh, what Project Maven tried to do, instead of a human being sitting in front of an FMV screen, you know, saying that's uh, labeling a truck, labeling a rock, labeling a car, um, you have machines able to do that. And then when machines um, can make decisions, and again, you know, the autonomous weapons that we have are mostly semi-autonomous, so there's always a human in the loop at this point, and there's a lot of debate and discussion about that. But when you get to the point that a machine is basically... Um, uh, Cutting out um, all of that analytical rigor that can be applied elsewhere to do things only humans can do, that's going to give the warfighter a massive advantage. So if you have a computer vision algorithm uh, determining that that's a rock and that's a tree and that you shouldn't, um, you know, hit it with the... With a uh, a kinetic strike, then that's going to be better if you have another analyst sort of doing things like determining if there's a positive identification of that actual terrorist actor, uh, which would cause that hellfire to rain down. So I think that, you know, it's offering specific advantages uh, because of that machine speed vice human speed. Uh, People talk a lot about drone swarms too. So instead of, you know, training up a human pilot necessarily, these, um, you know, what my old boss at the Center for New American Security used to say is that, you know, so you, the human being sort of acts as the quarterback, and you let your your smaller, your cheaper systems uh, do some of the other work for you. So you're not sort of wasting a human being and a human capital on that kind of thing too. So I think those are just two examples of what AI can help um, accomplish in war uh, and. We know that she's on a war footing. Uh, We know that Putin is currently at war right now, too. So so that's another thing. The information environment, like what you're talking about before, that's a whole nother kettle of worms. And and we can talk about that all day as well.
1: Well, I don't know. Seems to me like (laughs) if there's a little machine that can clean up after me and tell me um, how great I am all the time and, you know, not ask any questions beyond that. (laughs) <laughs> sounds, sounds good. I'm not that worried about it like turning into the Terminator and deciding that, you know, it has feelings too and it's self-aware and all this. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I do think it's it's definitely going to be interesting for high school kids who want to have some program that can easily write their, you know, kind of B minus level term paper for them. That, that we know it can do pretty quickly. But uh, friends, you know what you need? Not AI. You need chalk. Chalk provides all natural supplements that help people restore their energy potential every day. It's a daily supplement formulated to restore lower testosterone levels in men to the levels that men used to have. Our diets and stress levels just don't naturally provide for the kind of testosterone that we need. Chalk's leading ingredient in their male vitality stack has proven to restore 20% of those lower levels in just three months time. You'll feel the positive effects and experience an energy potential and focus that you haven't in a long time. Chalk produces their products with a high level of purity, makes it potent and impactful. That's why the Male Vitality Stack is as effective as it is. Sign yourself up. Take, it, uh, take delivery of Chalk's Male Vitality Stack or any of the other products available via subscription. Get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life when you use my name at their website. Chalk.com is that website. C-H-O-Q.com. Be sure to use my name, Buck, to get 35% off. Go to C-H-O-Q, Chalk.com. Use my name Buck B U C K for thirty five percent off. So, Kara, when you're not uh, trying to save the internet for the purposes of freedom, humanity, and the and and world peace and all that stuff, what what else? What do we need to do, with Kara Frederick? You were a Navy intel analyst, is that what I'm getting? Because you said vice in a way only people from the intelligence community ever say vice like that, meaning instead, do you oh, realize no. that no okay. one else? You'll never come across anybody who did not work in the IC who will be like, well, I think that's a good idea, vice this other idea. You're like, wait, what? We're the only ones who do that.
2: <laughs> I No way. Oh, man, yeah. I'm running
1: bad habits. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh I'll give you more. I've- I'll give you more. Optics. Only people from D.C. talk about, well, from this optic or from that optic or whatever. There, there are some things that the, the Intel people in particular we have this weird nerd vernacular and I caught you doing some nerd vernacular during this podcast. So at least I know you're the real deal. At least I know that, you know, you were pouring over those reports, eight cups of coffee (laughs) deep.
2: Yeah, it's funny, you know, Get Smart with Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway. It's a it's a movie. It's like a, I don't know, spy caper. And you have the Intel analyst who like finally gets his chance to like be an operations officer in the field. And he's, you know, talking to some operator types. And he's like, wait, Did nobody read my report? Like, that was me. I was like, did nobody read my report? Um, That person who would would go out with the the guys in Special Operations Forces and sort of be like, hey, everybody, this is what we should be thinking about. Here's the target. You should go there. Uh, So... I was always a civilian, a civilian intelligence officer, and um, we called them targeters when I was working with Naval Special Warfare Development Group. But um, that was, yeah, that was my job. Uh, I was an Al-Qaeda analyst, first and foremost, um, and all-sourcer. So what they did was they- Wait, like, us like, to like o-
1: o- original original gangster, old school Al-Qaeda or the uh, AQI? Because I was AQI. Oh, you were, they brought me in to do CTC AQI, and then I got moved to OIA, uh, OIA and, and, uh, and AQI, basically, so-
2: no way! Yeah, no. Yeah. I was um, I was looking at guys over. Yeah, the original guys. Um, some of the guys been hiding in Iran for a little bit. Um, that is now in the open. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, when I deployed uh, a couple times, that was my uh, that was my thing looking at Al Qaeda um, external operations um, operatives. So. so,
1: what what did you think of of Thirteen Hours, uh, the the movie? By the way, because I always thought it was so funny that. The the case officers in that were like so smug.
0: <laughs> Which was um, just
1: great. It was just great. The analysts were all sitting there like, yeah, maybe we were just back at headquarters making coffee, but like at least we respected the paramilitary guys.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't I don't know. I had a lot of OGA friends when I was out there. Mm. Uh so you know, you you gotta you gotta keep those relationships warm. Uh so I was I, I liked your side of the the um uh you know, but
1: did you notice what the, what in the movie for some reason, uh, just to really hammer it home, like one of the American case officers in 13 hours just randomly has kind of like a French accent and he's turning around to like he's turning around to, uh, you know, what's his name? John Krasinski and like all these guys who are all, you know, jacked and these badasses. But he's like, he's like, I know how to do fancy things, too. Like, I am so cool. You're like, where did this? Where did why does is his name like like Jacques Cousteau like where did this guy he's an American like they just I love it because those guys uh, the 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 GRS guys in the movie like <laughs> they, oh, it was funny the things they would say about the case officer I'm just i no. I, I, I just was observing I'm just observing
2: <laughs> Buck every time I left when we were forward every time I left the tactical operations center all the guys in a chorus would go beat it nerd <laughs> so yeah it's a uh, yeah but you guys right. were like you-
1: We had we had our our reports and our our cool stuff, you know, in the (laughs) meetings that we did, too. Um, So interesting. All right. Well, Kara, where should people go to check out your work and the stuff that you're up to and all that good stuff?
2: Yeah, first and foremost, go to heritage.org. Um, so all of our work is on the, the Heritage website. Uh, I direct the Tech Policy Center there. And yeah, we're, we're looking at, you know, five big lines of effort. So go to um, that website to see what we're up to. Uh, personally, uh, I'm, again, kind of in the belly of the beast. I'm on Twitter, Cara A. Frederick, uh, and on Instagram as Cara Fred with two Ds. So you can uh, check out my work. I, I do a lot of um, some personal, but, but mostly. And you got a
1: tiny you got a tiny baby too, right? Right. Now you're like a
2: yeah, right? yep, yep. I got a old, yep. So she's an infant, and I don't hear her, but uh, she's probably gonna start crying a little bit. So, well, don't,
1: don't worry, this is I'm, I'm glad we didn't get to the point where you pretend you hear the infant crying so you can end the interview uh early. So that's good, that means we, we kept it moving here. Check out Kara's stuff, everybody. Kara Frederick, thank you so much, appreciate you Thanks, joining. Buddy.